Hi, welcome to Your Grit Story, where we chat with entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders who live by passion and perseverance to make the future a reality. Let's be inspired by the stories as you create Your Grit Story. Very warm welcome to Your Great Story Podcast. We are on the fourth episode of the parenting series where we learn from parents about their tips and advice around parenting. Today, our guest is Parkson, who is a father, a podcaster, author, and a trainer for parenting. Welcome to the show, Parkson. Thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, so Parkson is a veteran a podcaster, so I'm learning a lot from him as well. But really, really welcome you to the show. Let's start with this, right? Let's start with you introducing yourself, right? And also sharing more about your family so that our listeners can get to know you better. On to you, Parkson. Well, very first of all, I'm a husband, married for 31 years, but uh, my wife and I, we knew each other nine years before that. So all together, we have known each other for 41 years. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's first husband, then father. I'm father of three for a very long time. When people ask me, how many kids do I have? I tell them I have too many. <laughs> too many. So the, the, uh, the, the first two are adults already. The oldest is 30. Uh, second one is 28. And then came the third one who is now 17. And I'm also a grandfather because my oldest child, who's a girl, daughter, has given birth to a son and expecting another one. Wow. Yeah. I'm also an author. I've written the book, uh, The Modern Day Dad, to, you know, kind of a compilation of the things I've learned about fathering, you know, to share with uh, modern fathers today. Uh, because when I first became a father... 30 years ago, there was no book, hardly any books on fathering, no workshops. And there was internet. Internet had gone public, but uh, there was nothing on the internet in terms of content. <laughs> so you cannot Google and, you know, find out how do I do this? How do I do that? You know, and things like that. I'm also a relationship coach, meaning I help people with relationships, help people who are getting married, help people who are already married and having some difficulties in their marriages. And um, last but not least, I'm overseeing the programs, workshops at the Center for Fathering. Really great question to start this episode is really, you have known your wife for 41 years, right? And married for 30, 34, right? Is it? 31. 31, right? So, known, I knew her nine years before that and then got married, uh, were married, was married for 31 years. Cool. So the question is this, right? So how do you manage slash maintain this marriage for these more years? Wow. Okay. Definitely a lot of work. You can never put your marriage in neutral gear, all right, because there's this thing called the law of decay. That's actually the um, second law of thermodynamics is the law of decay, you know. And so if you leave your marriage alone and let it go on autopilot, you know, or cruise mode for 10, 20 years, you end up having no marriage at all. I always tell couples, you'll be lucky you can still find your marriage cert. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So you take a lot of work, definitely. Yeah. So in the initial years, to be very honest, I didn't do very well. We were still, we had a lot of emotional baggages, particularly myself from my own childhood. And uh, so I was um, not open to, you know, receiving help to resolve those issues in myself. And therefore, it affected my marriage as well as my relationship with my first two kids, you see. So it's very important to deal with those things. We are not, we're never perfect, right? 
Okay, but doesn't mean that we cannot get better. We cannot have a better version of ourselves so that our wives and our children can have a better version of us. Well said, well said. On that end, it's how do we continue dating? Right? I think that's the question I, I have, right? You know, after so many years of being together under the same roof, having in the same family, how do you continue dating and continue that? flame burning in the marriage? Well, yes, you have to plan for it, definitely. Right? Couples would you know, plan for date night, for example. What, that's wonderful. But sometimes the date night can be quite awkward because you know, some couples just run out of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know? This is my observation that you know, in, during courtship, couples are very interesting. They want to be very interesting. So they'll tell stories about themselves. They will act funny. They all do kinds of crazy things. To be interesting, right? In, because it's still courtship. You see, the, the deal is not sealed yet. So you keep, you got to keep working at it. But the day after the marriage and the day after the wedding, things suddenly change, right? Mission accomplished. That sense of urgency and, you know, that need to be interesting diminishes. It, it just dies off. That is one reason every marriage begins a downward slide the day after the wedding. All right. Every marriage. Okay. And that's why you need to put effort into it in order to keep it at least on the level, if not going upwards, but at least on the levels. Otherwise, you'll be going on a downward slide and it, it becomes like a runaway train. <laughs> yeah. So instead of being interesting all the time, okay, you just got to be interested. Continue to be interested in your spouse. Continue to know about your spouse because we change over the years. We change. I mean, just use a very simple example, your best friend. We have lots of friends, right? But, you know, there's always one or two that we consider our best friends. Now, do we have a best friend for life? I mean, now, nowadays we have this very, you know, optimistic view, you know, BFF, best friend for life, you know, forever. Well, if you are able to maintain that, wonderful. But I think for most people, our, even our best friends do change. And so information like this about our spouses, uh, we need to get updated. Just like, you know, the street directory. Uh, the street directory used to come in a book form, the printed form, is updated every year. Why? Because some roads are no longer existing, but then there are new roads. Some roads have changed directions, <laughs> right? So you need to update yourself about each other and get to know the Dr. John Gottman, who is a guru in marriage and relationships, calls this the love map, all right? So you need to create a love map of each other and then keep updating it. So that's something you can do during date nights, all right? To ask each other and update each other about the things that are happening in your life. What Before I got married, I didn't like durians. I never ate durians. But after I got married, it was okay. You know, wow. I started to eat durians. I don't know what happened, but you know, so things do change and sometimes they are very interesting. So don't try to be interesting all the time because you can't. Just be interested and ask, keep asking questions. And that's, I guess, a very simple way of, you know, keep, in that sense, keeping the relationship alive. Yeah. I mean, well, say that, you know, it's not about being interesting. It's about really interested. And sometimes it's going, taking steps beyond your maybe comfort zone, right? To understand the, the partner better, right? So that we can work on the relationship uh, in the long run. Share with us more about, just like I mentioned about the first few years of marriage, it's always started, start with a downward slide, right? And then you will pick up. Share with us your own journey of that downward slide and how you picked up from there. Well, it was a, in a sense, a downward slide in the sense that all the things I've just described, you know, happened to, to my wife and I also. We kind of took it for granted. You know, we have known each other for nine years. We've dated for nine years. All right. And so we kind of take it for granted that, oh, we know each other very well. Yes, to some extent, that's true. 
But, you know, we forget that we do change, all right? And so we need to get updated about each other. So those are things that we, you know, we didn't really do a lot of. And then very soon, the children start coming. And just like most couples, you know, once they become parents, they put their marriage aside, right? And now they just focus on being parents and the children becomes the center of their universe, you know? And everything they do and everything they talk about are about the children, have you bought the milk? Have you paid the bills? You know, uh, whose turn is it to, you know, bathe the, ch- the baby? Um, you know, so all the conversations becomes very superficial, transactional, you know, and it's all about the baby. And that's where the marriage again takes a toll, you know, and that never ends <laughs> until the baby is, you know, not even becomes a teenager, right? You're a teenage, you've got teenage problems, right? And then after that, uh, all the way to adulthood. So can you imagine, all right, you've put your marriage aside. Uh, for about 20 years. Do we really need to put marriage aside, you see? So how do we have kids? I mean, as parents, how do we maintain the relationship? And that could be a good model for the kids as well as they grow up and have their own families, right? So if you read my introductions, you know, when people are one inviting me to speak and things like that, and they ask me for my bio, I have a standard bio and it, it goes this way. And that's how I introduced myself earlier also. I started with saying I'm a husband, first of all. Okay. And so that's my first priority. Okay. That's my first most important role. I'm a husband. And then it comes later on after that, uh, being a father. Okay. And then after that, whatever else I do. So first and second is uh, being a husband and then followed by being a father. So sometimes, you know, when people ask me, uh, what, where do you work? Oh, I work at the center for fathering. Oh, full time. I said, no, part time. Oh, part time. How many hours a week? Well, nine to six every day, Monday to Friday. Then they will say, but that's full time. I said, no, 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 that's part-time. I'm a father, I'm a husband and father full-time. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Good one. I love that. <laughs> so it, it's all about, you know, your mindset, right? It's about mindset. And so sometimes when we call, you know, you think about, oh, I'm a full-time, I work full-time in this company. And that's where I think we kind of, um, we've gone off balance, all right? Because we feel that we have to devote ourselves. We have to, you know, really work our butts off for that company because we are working full time. But uh, actually what we are really full time in is being a husband or wife and a parent, you see, because uh, that is, there's only this window of opportunity, you know, for us to play that role and do it well. All right. Because after that, whatever you do will have less and less impact on your children. Yeah. Being a husband first, then a father, right? I think that is important because the marriage is really Quite, quite a central piece, right, to the family, which kind of leads the family as, as a couple. Share with us how you connect with your kids through the years because kids do transit, develop, and change from face-to-face, right? From primary school, secondary school, pre, uh, pre-U, uni, work, go to work, being adult. How do you manage this phase with them? Or how do you grow with them? Well, I think you just mentioned it. It's, the key is to grow with them, being aware of what, what they're doing and what their interests are, being there for them. You know, I mean, as much as we are responsible for them, we are not in control of everything about their development and all that. We can only provide them with that conducive environment. Just like, you know, if you are planting a plant, right? You are not in control of their growth. But what you need to do is just make sure that the environment, you know, right, is there so that, you know, they will just be able to flourish in that environment. So 
that's why marriage is important. You know, I, I, I will keep going back to it. Uh, yes, the key agree. to great parenting is a strong marriage. Okay. Because without a strong marriage, you know, the environment at home will not be a peaceful one, will not be a tranquil one. There will not be, you know, safety and security to the child, right? Especially when the mom and dad are constantly fighting, uh, yelling at each other, all right? And maybe not even talking to each other. That creates a lot of stress and anxiety in the child. And that itself, you know, begins to harm the child in so many levels, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and physically, because they get sick, you know, they have all the stress, stress-related sicknesses, you know, headache, stomach ache, and then later on, you know, all kinds of things. So creating that, that safe uh, haven at home begins with uh, having a good marriage. Wow. Like laying a good foundation, a strong foundation, right? As a marriage, right? So that, so that the family can flourish together. Share with us a bit more about the parenting principles, right? I believe we have a couple of principles that you hold close to your heart as you, you and your wife grow with the kids. Well, there are many, many principles, but if you ask me off the top of my head, I would say that be an authoritative parent. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have heard that term of being, you know, an authoritative parent, but I think it's uh, not very often not clearly defined, you know, what an authoritative parent is. I think due to our own stress, you know, and our own, you know, sense of urgencies and uh, also our mental models, right? Mental models meaning, you know, the pictures that we have in our minds, our uh, kind of perceptions we have about, you know, oh, my child is five years old, he should be able to do this. You know, he's 10 years old, he should be able to do this. Uh, you know, and what does success mean? You know, what does it look like? All these kind of puts a lot of pressure on parents, right? And therefore, we begin to drive our children in a certain direction and want them to achieve, want them to be able to do certain things by a certain time. I always remind parents, you know, can you remember the time your, your child started to walk? And they all say, yeah. And I said, what part do you have in it? They said, nothing, right? I said, exactly, all right? And that's, that is very often the case. Okay? Your children will grow, your children will learn, your children will develop without you, okay? Your role is to be there to support. Your role is there, like I said, you know, to create that environment so that they can flourish. There's actually very little thing. There's some things you can do, but very little. And by being authoritarian, you know, always barking orders at them, always criticizing, always complaining and nagging, you are actually hindering their growth. We, we think that we are helping them grow, you know, we have, oh, they need motivation, you know, they need uh, some discipline, you know, and they need some, uh, what do you call pushing? Actually, it's counterproductive. The more you do that, up to a certain point is good, but beyond a certain point, it becomes counterproductive. All right. They become too stressed. They become, you know, maybe even too used to your nagging. Just goes in one year and comes out the other. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, when your child stops listening to you, what do parents do? They nag even more. A lot of us, including myself, you know, for the first maybe 20 years of as a parent, as a father, I didn't, I, I didn't realize all this. I thought this was what we had to do. If we really love our child, if we are really responsible parents, this is what you will do and you must do it. Okay. Well, I, I believe I'm a bit wiser now and I begin to, you know, see that, yeah, th those are actually counterproductive. So today, as I conduct workshops for parents, for fathers and also do coaching, I always remind them that's actually scientifically proven to be not working. They don't work at all. So let's, let's forget them and let's learn the new ways and more effective ways of doing it rather than, you know, doing all those same things, but uh, the outcome doesn't change. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I think a follow up question of this is, you know, with this whole parenting principles, you know, every 
parent is unique, right? Even you and your wife, me and my wife, how do we align that between a couple? Because I think it's very important. Well, I, I can think of three things that affects your parenting style. All right. So yes, you know, husband and wife, father and mother, both will have different parenting styles. So why, are, why do they have different parenting styles for three reasons, three factors? Number one is modeling. We basically do what we, we have seen done to us, right? Whatever our parents did to us, we basically repeat it. All right. Unless we know better, we won't do better. So that's a very big uh, factor. That's a very big influence. Okay. Second factor is our personalities. So when two people come together in marriage, they both have different personalities. And therefore, when I do marriage preparation for couples who are getting married, one of the components is a personality profile, right? So that they understand the differences and the similarities between the two of them and how do they work together, all right, to, to tap on each other's differences and uniqueness. Your personality will also affect your parenting styles, okay? If you are non-confrontational, for example, you know, then you would probably be a little bit more, maybe a bit lenient, you know, and things like that. And yeah, so your personality will affect your parenting. And third of all, something that a lot of people are not aware of, and that is your child, okay? Because your child, up to a certain age, as young as maybe four, five, six years old, will begin to display their personalities, all right? And just like any two human beings that come together, uh, either their personalities will, will mesh each other or will be in conflict with each other, <laughs> right? So if, between a parent and a child, sometimes their personalities can be in conflict with each other, all right? They just clash. All right. Or sometimes they just click, you see. And when you see a child, you know, when you see your own child and you think about their personalities, how they have always behaved, it will evoke a certain kind of reaction in you. Okay. And so that becomes part of your parenting styles. So these are three factors. And when you, when you are aware of these three factors, number one, modeling, well, you can actually overcome it by learning a new skill. Don't leave it to autopilot. You know, if you leave it to autopilot, you're probably repeating what your parents have done, both good and bad. Personality, well, there are very little you can do about it, but there are certain aspects of personality that can be mitigated so that, you know, it doesn't, it's not like you have to resign to it, you know, and say, well, I can't help it. That's me. I think that's a cop out. There's always something you can do, as I said earlier, to strive for a better version of yourself, you see. And then the third one about, you know, your child's personality, how it affects you, just like interpersonal relationship, right? We, we won't like everybody equally. But if you're mature, you will learn to be able to get along with everybody or most people. Okay. So it's parent-child relationship is no different from an interpersonal relationship. Yeah, nice. I like how mature this conversation is, to be honest. Like it's, it's very real. It's very really adulthood, right? It's, you know, looking, looking at that front, right? Really connecting with the kids and having this interpersonal relationship with them. Uh, we've been talking about a lot about parenting. You are really a unique guest because you are a grandparent, right? And in, in the whole, Four episodes in the whole series. Uh, I think only you are the, you are a grandparent. So does these principles affect you as a grandparent, or what is a good grandparent? Before I became a grandfather, I did ask a few of my friends who are already grandfathers, you know, just to get some wisdom from them and you know listen to their stories. And I, you know, one of them in particular, I, I will remember, I guess, for the rest of my life. This is what he said to me: "Well, grandparenting is being a parent, you know, with the the fun without the responsibilities." Oh, nice. I love that. Okay. Uh, just enjoy your grandchild. You're not responsible. I mean, you're <laughs> responsible for safety, you know, as long as your grandchild is with you, you're responsible for the, your, your grandchild's safety and all that. Yes. Okay. But in terms of, you know, you're not responsible for nurturing this child. 
like you used to do for your own kids. All right. So leave it to your own, leave it to the child's, your grandchild's parents to do the disciplining, the grooming, everything. Okay. In a sense, you, you are kind of a backup. You're kind of a backup and your grandchildren are more like your reward rather than <laughs> your responsibility. Yeah, I like I like the idea of you know having fun with them, playing with them, like a grandparent, a kong ama kind of thing, right? Yeah, rather than a a parent that to them, maybe a controversial or sensitive question, right? You know, like grandparents tend to like give like ice cream, you know, candies, you know, and then the parent might uh, reject. How do you manage this, you know, relationship with uh your own kid and your grandchild? You know what I mean? Good question, and I'm glad you asked that actually. So I hope many people will be listening in. Yes, I do get a lot of questions, you know, during the workshop, right? At the end of it or somewhere towards the end, participants will ask, you know, all that you have shared with us today, wow, great. You know, I will, I can't wait to go back and start practicing it. But, you know, my parents and my in-laws, they have very different views about parenting. How do I resolve this? Okay. I said, wow, okay. That's a million dollar question. All right. If you pay me a million dollars, I'll answer it. Okay. But I'll give it to you free today. Well, I would say that, yes, I'm sure we will differ in terms of methods, right? How do you discipline a child? Do you use a cane or do you use whatever methods? Okay, So methods will differ. Now, we can always disagree on the methods. But, all right, so both sides have to play their part. So I tell the parents, don't focus on the methods. Look for the wisdom. Because the reason why your parents or your in-laws is, you know, trying to share all that to you because, you know, it's it's a wisdom. All right. And where do you think wisdom comes from mostly? Comes from mistakes. So when they share wisdom with you, in a way, they're also admitting, I've made a lot of mistakes. Okay. So I don't want you to make the same mistakes. That's why I'm telling you all this. All right. So give them the benefit of the doubt. All right. So this, I'm just telling you to look at it from the positive side. All right. They're not trying to invade into your privacy. They're not trying to just tell you what to do. Okay. They are concerned. So don't react. They don't panic. You can disagree with their methods, but look for the wisdom because I'm sure you have a lot to gain from their wisdom. Now, if I were talking to the grandparents, okay, I would say to them, take it easy. All right. This new generation of parents, they are very well informed. My daughter, for example, and and my son-in-law, I tell you, they are educated people. They read a lot. They have done their research before the baby arrived. And they have already, in a sense, made up their minds which model they want to follow terms of whether to pick up your child whenever your child cries at night and things like that. All right. So they have explored, they have researched and, you know, they have kind of said, okay, let, we will be doing it this way. Now, I think that's great, right? You know, so as a grandparent, I should be very happy they have done their research. Okay. Whether it works for that child, we do not know, right? Only time will tell. But, you know, I should be assured that, okay, they have done their homework. They, I, you know, they know what they're doing. They're adults. So I should just leave it to them. Now, whenever I come into the picture, my wife comes into the picture, we need to remember that we are playing the supporting role. So even uh, even when we go shopping, for example, my wife and I, and my wife sees a toy or a cute little shirt, you know, a tire, and says, hey, I want to buy this for our grandson. I said, you better check with the mummy. Okay, <laughs> take a photo, text the mummy and says, you know, I saw this, you know, I think it will look great on, you know, so-and-so. Uh, what do you think? And if mommy says, yeah, I also think it will look great, go ahead and buy it, okay? Otherwise, you'll be wasting a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know what I mean. Yeah, so these are, <laughs> we are playing a supporting role. So we, we don't, our intentions are good, right? We want to bless the, the, the young one and things like that. But again, 
today's parents, you know, they have an idea already about how they want to raise their kids. So let's work with them on those ideas. Yeah, yeah, good one. So echoing what you mentioned, it, it's not about the methods, right? It's about the wisdom and also values, I guess, right? Family values that we are aligned. We spoke about parenting. We spoke about grandparenting. Let's talk about your hobbies, your side projects, right? You are an author. Tell us about the book that you've written. Tell us about what went through your mind when you wrote that book. The original title of the book I wanted to have was Effective Fathering Tips I Wish I Knew. And so that was the motivation of writing that book. You know, as I said, you know, uh, I wasn't a good father. I mean, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. So as I began to learn more about, you know, parenting, as I read about research, you know, about different things, about spanking, for example, about discipline, about all kinds of things. So I began to compile all these lessons, you know, all these things that I've learned. Okay. And then I said, Hey, I need to share it with people. I need to share it with the today's fathers. All right. And actually, the book can be read by mothers also because it's all about parenting. And so I, I decided to, you know, I thought, okay, I'll just share the effective fathering tips I wish I knew. So if I had known about 50% of what I know today and practiced 10% of what I know, I think I would have done a much, much better job. So that was the purpose of writing that book. And I spent many, many hours uh, just reading and researching. And uh, it has a lot of stories that I comes out of my conversations with different fathers and things like that. And the workshop I conduct at Center for Fathering is actually, yeah, the book is based on that workshop or the workshop based on the book. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> it's, together, the content, right? it's can, in a sense, it's uh, paired together. Although the book has more content, right? So I always tell the participants in the workshop, I'm not giving you notes. I'm not giving you the slides, you know. But if you think that you won't remember most of what I said during this five-hour workshop, the workshop is five hours, by the way. All right, just get the book, you know, so it becomes your reference books or your textbook. Nice, nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very interesting. And kind of the next one is on the podcast that you are running. Tell us more about your podcast running and why you started well, that. Well, it, it's a co-hosting, actually, uh, together with another friend of mine. He's a Malay Muslim. So we kind of met. When was that? Uh, maybe about two years ago. Yeah, early last year, I think. And then we met for the first time and we were having coffee, you know, and we were just chit-chatting and uh, brainstorming and just dreaming dreams about how we can do something together. And he was also interested in, you know, venturing into the area of fathering and fatherhood. So I was sharing with him about, you know, hey, podcasts, you know, nowadays podcast is becoming very popular and and just for your information, I, I did my very first podcast in 2007. Those were the days before Spotify and, you know, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, where you actually had to load your, you know, video or audio file somewhere and create an RSS file. And I'm not sure if you heard of it. But yeah, I did it for about two and a half years. I went from audio, then later on went upgraded to video podcasts, five, uh, six, six 20 minute segments a week. And I was getting something like 90 to 100,000 hits a month. So after two and a half years, I stopped doing it. So I was, you know, sharing this friend of mine and says, Hey, why don't we do that? You know, since it's the trend now, you know, and it's so much easier to do it today. So we said, okay, let's do it. What, what shall we call it? I said, well, you're a father. We are a father and we are talking to fathers. So let's just say we are dads too. So that was the original name of the podcast. We are dads too. Okay. And our focus was on fatherhood. And then after about, what, 30, 30 episodes and we, we were doing one episode a week. So after 30 episodes, we were going into the second season, you know, and we've, we said that 
I think we need to expand our scope to cover not just fatherhood, but manhood as well. Because um, I, I was realizing that you cannot divorce fatherhood from manhood. A lot of what we do and how we behave as fathers actually coming out of our own manhood. So we also need to help the fathers who are men to resolve some of their manhood issues and to be better men so that they can become better fathers. So we kind of rebranded a little and uh, instead of we are dads too, which is a mouthful, we just shortened it to W-A-D-T. And so today it's called W-A-D-T. Nice. Yeah, uh, short form. I love it. As we wrap this up, this episode up, there are a couple of questions to wrap up. So, so I mean, you are you are a trainer, right? Instead of for fathering and uh, that's for life. Share with us a few workshops that are coming up in uh, this coming months or quarters that dads can take part in. Well, I used to be Last two years, I was conducting seven different workshops that covers um, the whole spectrum of the life stages of the child, right? From expecting couples, we have a workshop for that all the way to growing years. Today, we call it parenting the growing years. And then after that, parenting the teen years. And we also have a uh, emotion coaching workshop. And I also conduct a marriage workshop. Okay, so altogether, seven of them. But this year, I felt that I was killing myself doing seven workshops. So I'm cutting it down to three, which is uh, number one, the fathering workshop. So this is just for fathers. And then the parenting, the growing years, which is for both fathers and mothers to learn together because I believe that, you know, parenting is teamwork, right? And, uh, you know, in order for that team to be successful and to be able to work well effectively, they need to be trained together and practice together. So I created this parenting workshop. And then that's for the growing years, meaning up to about nine years old. And then for if you have a child 10 years old and above, all right, as young as 10, you should be coming to the Parenting the Teen Years workshop already. Now, technically, a 10-year-old is not yet a teenager, all right, because puberty happens earliest 11, 12, 13. But I always tell parents, you know, you should be ahead of the curve rather than behind, <laughs> okay? Because your child is going to change very suddenly, very quickly. And if you're not prepared, if you're not ahead of the curve, you're going to be playing catch up all the time, okay? And you're going to fall back onto your the parenting methods that you have used for the last 10 years, which will not work anymore. So you not only have to upskill, you have to reskill. <laughs> you have to unlearn, all right, all that you've been doing the last 10 years and learn a new set of skills and mindset, all right, in order for you to be able to handle and guide your teenager, okay? That's why I, I tell parents, you know, if you have a 10-year-old, please start coming to the Parenting the Teen Years workshop. Nice. And how about uh, after teenagers? How about how, after teens? Well, after teens, we don't have a workshop yet, okay? I do have another series that I just uh, launched this year, and it's called Raising Sons. It's a very, it's not a workshop per se, but it's more like conversation with fathers, you know, to talk about certain aspects of uh, how different is it to raise boys. And what motivated me to start this series was basically, you know, we've been hearing a lot about toxic masculinity, right? You know, how toxic masculinity, you know, causes men to use violence, violence against women, family violence, you know, spousal abuse and things like that. So I begin to ask people, you know, have you heard of toxic masculinity? They all say, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what does, what does masculinity look like then? You know, that's not toxic and no one can, no one can 
describe it to me, right? So I began to, again, you know, go into looking up and reading more about this and, uh, you know, doing my own research. And I, you know, I began to realize that if we want to raise our boys today to become men in the future and become husbands and fathers in the future who do not have toxic masculinity, then we need to start today by having conversations with today's fathers who are, who have sons, all right, to talk about, okay, how do you help your son grow in terms of emotional Emotions and mental health, for example, because the two are related. And then another, another session, we talked about purpose and passion, all right? Because men, it's good for men to have a sense of purpose, a sense of vision for their lives. Not just great ambition, but purpose, you know? Another session, we, we also talked about sexuality and testosterone. I tell you, that was a very popular one. <laughs> okay. And then another session, we talked about courage and character. Wow. We, we always believe that men need to be brave, right? Okay, let's talk about courage. What does it look like? You know, how do you define it? And what are the different ways that, you know, men can demonstrate courage besides just being strong, fighting battles uh, and things like that? There are many, many ways that we can show courage besides those. Wow. 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 Thanks for sharing. Uh, I love how the courses are structured uh, from age range to age range because they are kind of different as they grow, right? I think as fathers grow with the kids, the courses as well, right? The different segments. I also love how there are courses for different verticals, different topics, right? And, and they are pretty deep topics by themselves and they definitely worth a, a workshop catered to that. I, I personally can testify to that. I was uh, I took part in one of the Raising Sons workshop and I, I really registered for it once it came out because the one before that, it just sold out within like, I don't know, like a, one one day or something, right? So I was like, oh, the next one, I, you know, it's just like five, $5 or, ten, or $10, right? So it's really, really affordable and really, really active. So in the spirit of Father's Day that this episode is going out, in like late May or June, what is your key takeaway advice here for dads out there who are tired, who feel like giving up uh, on parenting? Well, number one, don't give up. All right. And uh, yes, it's, you don't have to do it alone. Okay. In Center for Fathering, we, we encourage fathers to be in a community, what we call father groups, all right, for lack of a better word. We don't have a very, you know, hip name for, for those. We just simply call it a father group. It's a group of fathers between 10, 5 to 10, you know, kind of thing where you actually grow closer together and you, you receive support, encouragement, you learn together, you learn together, you hold each other accountable so that, you know, you be, you will make sure you practice what you have learned. And then also because we, we try to group fathers whose children are around the same age group so that you can do things together. Okay. So you, in that, in that sense, you don't feel alone. All right. I think the, the tiredness, the, the sense of, uh, you know, loneliness will make it even harder. So don't do it alone. Find a community, come to us, we will put you into a group so that you can journey with other fathers together. And there will be a facilitator in that group, someone who is like two or three steps ahead of you so that they can guide the, the fathers there. Right. And in the long run, okay, that's another thing about men, right? I talk about fatherhood and manhood. By the time you're 40 or 50 years old, statistically speaking, all right, most men at around that age, as they grow older, they will have fewer and fewer friends. In America, for example, on average, okay, someone who is above 50, around 50, has only one or two friends, okay? And then by the time you're 65 and above, you are lonely. And we are already seeing in Singapore, you know, that's one of the problems we have with the senior citizens. They are lonely. And loneliness leads to depression, and depression can also can sometimes result in suicide. 
Right, right, right. Cool. Yeah, that's a great wrap up. And uh, thanks for advice for the fathers out there. And uh, really kudos to you, That's for Life Center for Fathering for running the workshops, right? So that we as young parents, uh, young dads can learn from experienced uh, dads like uh, you and also uh, the folks at uh, That's for Life. Cool. Thanks. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for your time in this episode to share advice. Thank you, Parkson. No, not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you.